0: Hi there, Charlie here from the Why Was She podcast. Ahead of our first episode, just wanted to include a little intro uh, because we uh, originally had a different name for the podcast, got all excited and recorded it. Um, And despite me working in marketing for a living, I did not check first if there was already a podcast with that name. So I had to do a bit of jiggery-pokery with the editing. So if it sounds a bit weird, I apologise. Please bear with us. We are not professionals. Um, We're just people that love to uh, chat rubbish about football. So enjoy um, and stick with us. I'm sure the quality will get better. Okay, cue royalty-free music. Hello and welcome to Why Always She? A a podcast about becoming obsessed with women's football. I'm Charlie Parks. I'm a nobody. I haven't achieved anything... (laughs) I'm not related to football in any way other than being a recent convert to it via the women's game. Um, I The podcast was my idea uh, because I like to talk about women's football at the moment. I like to learn about women's football um, and I thought it would be a good way to go on this journey. I am joined by my co-host in podcast and in life, mm-hmm. Matt Clough, who is a long-suffering fan of the Premier League side currently masquerading as a League One side Bolton Wanderers the men's team, boring Um, but he's also a published author of two books about football, one about Nat Lofthouse, the Bolton Wanderers and England legend and one about the match of the century versus Hungary and England in 1953 where England were pasted 6-2 yeah, that's yep.
1: the, the official terminology used
0: yep. at the time. Um, <laughs> you've also written for publications such as The Athletic and The Guardian about football. I have. Yeah, so you are very much the expert here.
1: Allegedly, although I would say on the women's game, there, there's no expertise
0: between us. We're on a journey. Who dare to, you? Uh, to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on, on football generally and tactics and strategy and business and history, I think you are definitely the authority. I am very much the student.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Although, you know, it's debatable how much a Bolton fan can truly know about football. This are is we true. even a football team? This is true. But I am glad that you did identify that we are a Premier League team, just in League One with our, our presence currently. Sort of like a charity tour at the moment. Okay. We'll, we'll be back.
0: Okay, this is not a podcast, thankfully, about Bolton. So we'll move swiftly on. Um, it's about women's football, as I say. Um, and I thought, what um, better way to sort of kick off our first episode of many, I'm sure... <laughs> Because this is going so well so far. Um, I thought a great way to kick off would just be to talk a little bit about why why women's football. How I came to become obsessed with women's football. Which is a question I think many people in my life have asked me over the past couple of months. Um, and yeah, and we can just chat about what, what we like about it. Why we find it exciting. Why we find it interesting. And go from there. So yeah, I'll kick us off I guess. Um, Please do. And I think, obviously, for me, the gateway drug was very much the lionesses, as I think for a lot of people in this country. I, I think many people would share that experience. Like I think I said to you last night, um, unfortunately we weren't recording, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but I've remembered it. <laughs> that I think it was interesting. Like obviously saw us win the Euros, which was an incredible moment, but. I don't know why like the interest didn't really take off at that point. I wasn't really
1: mean, motiv- yeah.
0: motivated to carry on watching. I don't know what happened last season in the WSL other than reading stuff online, um, which I regret really, but here we are. Um, and then I think it, it took having that fantastic World Cup, well, with up and down moments, I think, um, and then losing in the final, Um it sort of trauma bonded me, I think, to the team and, and I just became sort of obsessed from that moment and I, I knew all about the team and, and I was just like, right, this is it. Um, and then we, we sort of, along with my cousin, shout out to my cousin Danielle, um, we picked a, a sort of the most local WSL side to us. I'm sorry, we're glory hunters, we've, we've gone with the WSL. Um, of Leicester, um, started going to Leicester games, following the Leicester team. Um, we've, we've set up a fantasy league I'm currently in the lead just want to mention that um, and we just yeah I'm personally I'm loving it um, I never shut up about it which is why I've done this podcast so that Matt can actually get some work done during the day so i stopped stop rabbiting on, on him about it um, and for me I think when I sort of compare it to how I feel about men's football I think it just feels like more accessible to me it feels more exciting and fresh it's like I know it's been established for a long time but it's never been as popular and it's never been it's never been as accessible I guess no. because for something to be accessible you have to know it's happening and so like I would never have mean, like gone to live games because I didn't know that I could really it wasn't really televised like I think it was only the FA Cup that was televised wasn't yeah. it and then the quality wasn't there so I've heard <laughs> um, so yeah I just feel like I'm almost in on the ground floor of something like we're going to games and it, it would be fantastic to see more people at games but there's not many people there compared to you know a, a packed out you know stadium for a men's game that you would see or you know even at the moment Arsenal are they're selling out the Emirates the women's team yeah um not probably not selling it out but they they you know they're filling it to a, a good capacity Um, But yeah, I think the men's game for me has just almost always been like this behemoth. Is that that if I pronounced that correctly? Behemoth? Behemoth. Behemoth. Uh, Matt's also the wordsmith, obviously. Um, And he's the the posh boy and I'm the (laughs) the black country girl, so I can't (laughs) pronounce words like behemoth. Um, But yeah, it's always just been there as this massive, complex machine, which I've never really felt like particularly enamoured by or like I could get into. Particularly, I don't know. It's weird. I just feel like I can get into the women's game. It feels, like I say, more accessible. And and for me, I think what's been a pleasant surprise has been the quality. Like when I started watching the, the WSL on the regular, um, and then I, I sort of I I can't remember it was I'd watched like three or four WSL games in the in the weekend and a weekend and then I'd gone. I'd Watched a men's game on a Monday or something. I sat down and I thought, This is going to be like a night and day. I'm Mm. going to be like, Whoa, okay, this is like a next level quality. But and I know, I know the we won't mention he who must not be named JB, but Mm. I know he would beg to differ. But and I know that the quality isn't it can't be 100 you know, 100% there with the men's game. But I, I think it wasn't the massive drop off that I was expecting when I.
1: No, I think in terms well, compared of to I think in terms of technical skill, the mm. women's game is making rapid leaps forward, and like you say, there's a there's probably a physical bridge it will never manage to cross compared to the men's game. But I think you know you just have to judge each on its merits. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting what you were saying there. I think so. We didn't compare notes before we we did this because we wanted to have a nice kind of fresh organic conversation. It's interesting the stuff you were saying about how you're kind of coming in on the ground floor of something and it feels really exciting because that's what I've got as well. I think, um, as you said, or as I've said to you over the course of many years, I, over the course of my life supporting Bolton, have managed to find a reason to dislike, if not outright hate, just about every team in the English football league, for you know, it might be a you know, it might be a local rival. It might be a historic rivalry team we just come up against a lot. It might be that I just went to the ground once and I thought it was rubbish and Bolton lost one 0 and I thought, right, this is it. I am never talking to Shrewsbury again. I'm sick of them. Um, so yeah. I went out in
0: Shrewsbury once and it was rubbish. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. To be really fair, Shrewsbury's ground, the new ground's quite nice. Um, but yeah, they're rubbish this season. I can't vouch <laughs> for that. But yeah, so I've obviously, you know, Bolton, it's been an interesting relationship over the last few years. Um I still very much love the club. Like you, I think there's I, I do worry I might have a sort of psych, sort of psychological defect because this season is their best season statistically in a long, long time. It's also the season when I've suddenly made a dramatic swing to watching <laughs> women's football and not going to Bolton matches, which probably says a lot about my proclivity for just wanting to be humiliated <laughs> and just general pain than, um, than it does about anything else. But yeah, I think, like say women's football, it's never been more accessible. It's It's very much got a sense to me, and I don't want this to sound like uh, I'm infantilising or anything like that, but it feels very still quite innocent. And I think the men's game, a big issue I have with the men's game now, and I know this is is kind of preaching to the choir with stuff like VAR, but I do think the amount of money coming into the game and and stuff like VAR, obviously the, the big selling point for English Football League over, you know, centuries now, well decades over a century has been the fact that it's this pyramid and you've got all these professional clubs and in theory, if you can string together three or four good seasons in a row, you can go from what is now League Two to the Premier League and maybe even win the Premier League. Um, and I think over the last few years, as we've had things such as sports washing and vast quantities of money being pumped into the Premier League. And also stuff like VAR, which you know, in my opinion, just makes it a far less appealing product, particularly for the match-going fan, where you you stood in the cold for five minutes waiting for a, a group of referees to figure something out, while there's nothing communicated to you in the crowd. Yeah. I it's the, the the net result has been I want Bolton to do well. I want us to move up the divisions, but in my heart of hearts, I do. Often wonder, do I really want us to actually even get to the Premier League? Would mm-hmm. I? Would I enjoy that? And the answer is increasingly becoming a no. I mm-hmm. just want Bolton to do well, and that's the only reason I'd I'd want us to be playing in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the women's game. Obviously, it there is. It would be naive to suggest there isn't money going around. There's no coincidence that you know the the big three in the WSL: Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea are also three of the biggest clubs in the men's game and oh, have the most the Man United money.
0: United erasure for me. I mean,
1: we, yeah. We <laughs> is can, that a whole we, other episode? We can get on to Man United, <laughs> um, but I'd rather not. Um, but, yeah, there, there's no coincidence that those, those three big WSL clubs are also three big men's clubs. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously, there is
0: already a, a financial disparity mm. kind of going on in the game. Yeah. Um, and I think we can... You know, we can get onto stuff like that in, in later episodes. Of I think I do, one thing I do want to discuss is like the business of yes. football and sort of what's behind, like you said, like because there are some Premier League clubs, massive Premier League clubs who don't have a, a, a women's side in the WSL. Yeah. They're really playing catch up. Yes. So, and I think Leicester's an interesting one to be honest. And, and I've, you know, one thing I did want to just mention before we moved on. Um, is that I think Leicester's interesting because obviously they've got a WSL side with a championship men's club at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you've mentioned several times, like obviously Leicester is a club with a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, and if they really wanted to fly with the women's team, you know they've got money to invest. But I think I like I like what they're doing at the moment. They feel like the scrappy underdogs a little bit. They're yes. sort of mid-table, not not looking too threatening, but you know, I, I, there's something there, I feel. Like I feel like they're building built. something, yeah. and I like that, and it's nice to see, yeah. and I feel like, yeah, yeah. I feel like they are an exciting team to watch. It, yeah. Mainly because it's like, well, we'll go up 2-0. But, <laughs> yeah. but then we will we then concede six goals.
1: <laughs> mainly because they cannot hold on to a lead right now. Uh, this is pre, pre-WSL pre resumption, so we might not soon be talking yeah. about... And
0: we're going the, to the the... The mighty Pirelli Stadium tomorrow to hopefully see them uh, beat Aston Villa. But yeah. let's see how this how this ages. <laughs> was there anything else you wanted to add before I move on to the to the next segment?
1: Oh, and just well, well obviously as well. Like you said, a great, a great gateway was the lionesses uh, mm-hmm. showing showing the England men how to do a thing, or to, you know, winning some competitions at last. Um, yeah, I, I mean I, it's
0: not it's accurate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you know,
1: I, I I think you know it helps that the lionesses, the the last two squads, just seem to be hugely likable teams, hugely personable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, very just kind of open with the media. I you know, there's there's obviously it, we're in a we're in a, as I'm told by the kids, we're in a social media age now, um, which is nice. But it does just mean you you get access to the the players, and again I think the men's team there is obviously a, a bit of that, but it also kind of feels like everyone has is on like a super you know they've been media trained to within an inch of their lives, and I know we've kind of rode back from that a little bit, and I think teams and players are sort of aware that it's nice to show a bit of personality. But I feel like the women's game has really taken that idea and run with it, whereas the men's game is still a bit on a kind of a, a bit of a lockdown in terms of they don't want you know players out there showing too much of themselves. Whereas the women's game, I think they're just like you know it's it's a great selling
0: point to have these. these just say Mary Earps. Mary Earps just is. <laughs> just these, how how long did we get into the into the podcast? Before Sixteen I mentioned that? minutes in or something <laughs> like that.
1: But yeah, just just having having these players out there. Not only role models on the on the pitch, but
0: off it as well, and I think that's uh, it's a huge selling point. Yeah, after that I think that's a a good intro into where we are on our respective journeys with football and women's football. Um, I think you certainly showed your chops there with talking about the history of the game and the men's game, and I just went i just like it because they're women and they're good at football i
1: don't think there's either, either <laughs> reason is more valid than the other I think. and you know i didn't need to be sold on football whereas you did i don't think so, i needed to be
0: sold on football i just needed to be i wasn't invested be, in football i would watch it yes. i would watch the men's team the national team um
1: you weren't a full-on fan i wasn't
0: a there, follower of a, no. of a club no. or anything um, I, probably my dad's fault because he's a Warsaw fan and he tried to force me to go to Warsaw games so that probably scarred me for life
1: I think it's interesting as well that like you say you, you you really got into it after England lost in the World Cup final and you like supporting Leicester because they're underdogs and they're scrappy and your dad's a Warsaw fan and I'm a Bolton fan and you've, it's, that's clearly rubbed off on you clearly there was no temptation <laughs> to be like I'll be a Chelsea fan because they've won the WSL 18 times in a row <laughs> Um, but yeah, well, yeah, as I always say, football is not entertainment, it's not meant to be fun, it is,
0: <laughs> it it is, is pain. pain and misery. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a crucible that you must pass through.
0: <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. Um, yeah, and, and the most recent example of that being the Nations League, um, and yeah, that, the less said about that, the better. I'm going to say something about that later. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that, that takes us on nicely to our next regular segment, um, which I'll come up with a catchy name for it at some point, but I've sort of referred to it as bee in bonnet. So, you know, what's your bee, the bee that's in your bonnet? What do you want to rant about, rave about? What, what's your hot take? Um, shall I kick us off? Yeah,
1: you kick us off.
0: Um, so I did have a different topic, but then the fee for the best awards were on Monday. <laughs> um, and I went on to uh, Reddit, which is a website that the kids go on. When, when we say the kids, by the way, we mean generally we don't have children, which is why we're recording a podcast at six o'clock on a Thursday, <laughs> not doing tea <laughs> for the children. Um, yeah, so the fee the for the, the best Oh my God! FIFA the Best Awards were on Monday, and then like I say I could see a lot of online discourse about people were not happy with it, but they were not happy with the World Eleven, basically the women's World Eleven. I should say. I think I didn't pay any attention to the men's because there were seven lionesses in there, and we obviously, as aforementioned, did not win the World Cup. Yeah. Um, and I think oh, I should probably have this in front of me, but you know, Bon Matty was in there. Was Pootias in there? I don't think so. No. Which
1: was injured. I know Alex Morgan was in there. Uh, I
0: mean, yeah. But so, and then the, the, the discourse was biased towards English players, which I didn't really understand because it's voted for by players, coaches, fans and the media from across the world. And I don't really get what the, the sort of bias would be towards English players. No and also, the other discourse was that it was biased towards the World Cup, which when you look at the major footballing events of last year the one the one is the world Cup, so I think we had this discussion about the Guardian top 100 as well, yes, where there was a lot of discourse again around it being biased towards the world cup but and also about it being biased towards England players, but again, same thing, voted for by.
1: Yeah, uh, as, as a as, myriad um,
0: of people who are not involved with English football. I think was it, I think Izzy Christensen was on the list of panelists for the Guardian was, and um, Robert Wilhelm Vill- who's yeah. the Tottenham manager. But other than that, the, I couldn't see anyone who was even you know remotely near the English game, like WSL or. The FA. Yeah. So why would they why would they be biased towards English players? Yeah. And then of course it's going to be biased towards the World Cup because that was the major football event tournament of last year. Like Yeah. It and I I don't know what I'm I'm saying about this <laughs> other than that I think it's pointless to squabble about arbitrary lists on the internet. Um maybe I'm biased because there were seven lionesses in there and I love the lionesses, but I, I do think some of them shouldn't have been in there. Really, on reflection, yeah. Um, not sure Ella 2 should have been in there, like, yeah. And I'm not sure Lucy Brown should have been in there. Really, I don't think she had a great World Cup. But anyway, I'm playing into the hands of the uh, the online discourse here. Play, yeah,
1: yeah. But
0: I think we can all agree. The fuck was Alex Morgan doing in there? <laughs> like what? Wh- what? Why? No. She did nothing at the World Cup, and. I've checked the NWSL stats. She scored seven goals last season in the NWSL. And Lauren James, who we have mixed feelings about, but you can't take this away from her. She's scored seven goals already this season. She scored yeah. seven in nine, and Alex Morgan scored, scored seven in 18. Good stats. Yeah. yeah. It, it, why I... is she in there? That. But anyway, yeah, so thoughts on, because, you know, you've probably been around all this stuff longer than I have, thoughts about lists and FIFA, do we care, like, is it worth our time?
1: No, I mean, I think the, again, the social medification of football, and yeah. there's now a, obviously you've got people like Fabrizio Romano, who have basically made made a separate sport out of transfer speculation, and there's mm. obviously all sorts of, you know, people suddenly care way more about the Ballon d'Or, and FIFA have obviously launched their own awards and in this case FIFA are always they have a vested interest in mm. weighting the World Cup more highly because that's their competition. I know technically they own all the football but for example if they turned around and said oh here's our best 11 it's mainly based off the mm. Champions League that's UEFA and that doesn't really serve their purposes so of course it will be biased and exactly. I, I, I don't want to keep comparing stuff to the men here but obviously Lionel Messi was named best men's player. Um, you know, he has had an impact in MLS, but no offence to MLS fans, it's MLS. Um, um But yeah, it's just <laughs> I don't know. I I think there's there are always gonna be people upset. I I was, as you know, upset about the Guardians list because I felt like it was too biased against players who've had injuries. So mm-hmm. for example, uh, Beth Mead and uh, Alexis Puteas, who were one and two in the previous edition, dropped off the list entirely this year, mm. mainly because they have been injured. And I do obviously understand you, you have to factor an injury in, but equally, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone in world football who mm. would say, oh no, Beth Mead and Alexis Puteas aren't in the 100 best players mm. right now. And again, they, I think they've... Tied themselves in knots a little bit because you've got Sam Kerr, who well, certainly was in the top 10. I can't remember exactly where she was, but obviously has, has now done her ACL. I believe and,
0: she was second.
1: OK, so she she will presumably not be on the list next year. Mm. And just as she's coming back from her injury. And again, I think if you asked anyone, even, even with this injury, is she in the top 100
0: women's players, you would have to say yes. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I just yeah just to track back slightly. I just wanted to to yeah like track back because you mentioned the Ballon d'Or, and I guess this sort of feeds into to what I was talking about because obviously the Ballon d'Or last year, so the one just gone, I think it was a bit of a farce for the women because they held the ceremony during the international break, the women's game international break, so a lot of the women couldn't be there that were nominated, so I think. I can't remember, I think it was 30 were nominated mm. for that, you know. Um, and then only seven out of the 30 could attend. Yeah. And obviously one of them was the winner, Bon Matty. Yeah. But it's just... It, it. I feel like some of this stuff and, like, the awards and the lists and stuff, it, it still feels a little bit like it's a token gesture and it's not taken as seriously. So... Is there an element of that?
1: that yeah, I, I that's I think why
0: so. seven players from the same country end up on the FIFA World Eleven because they were the most visible in the World Cup, and yeah, you, you know what I mean. It's I'm sort of stepping on my own point, but
1: I certainly think is it an
0: afterthought? Is it like a well, well, they were in the final, we'll just stick them in, sort yeah. Of like
1: I mean, in terms of just the the number of lionesses versus say the lack of Spanish players, I'm I'm certain. There has been a degree of politics gone into that, with obviously yeah. um, everything that's kind of swirled around the uh, Spanish women's mm. team, kind of well before and after the World Cup, and has unfortunately kind of overshadowed their victory. I'm sure there's been stuff going on there, kind of you know, you can get as conspiratorial as you want and sort of say someone was maybe blacklisted, maybe FIFA were sort of mm. you know. Not particularly pleased with how the Spanish players mm. handled what was, a, you know, a horrendous situation. From you know, the FIFA against FIFA, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's that's just speculation, but
0: yeah, we are wildly speculating, and uh, I think again the the situation with the Spanish team. Again, we could probably do a whole other episode on that, yeah. and may very well do. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll put a pin in that. But so that was my being bonnet. Hot take. Yeah. Awards lists, good, bad. Do we care? But Alex Morgan shouldn't have been on either of the, <laughs> <laughs> either the FIFA World Eleven, or the Guardian Top One Hundred. That's outrageous. Um. What is your hot take? rant, Whatever. I rant? don't. I don't
1: know if this would qualify quite as a hot take. Probably more of a lukewarm take. So, um. My, my hot take. Warm take lukewarm take is that I don't think the winter break in the women's game is a bad thing. So I've heard... Obviously, we, we're about to have the WSL and the uh, the championship taken over by mm-hmm. NUCO. Yeah. And I can't. it was another women's uh, football podcast. I'm afraid I can't remember which one. Someone on one of those was saying... It was counterpressed. Was it counterpressed? Shout out to counterpressed. Shout out to Someone on there said oh you know we need to abolish the, the winter rate mm-hmm. and on the one hand I can I can fully see you know it's it has felt I know particularly you have suffered with the lack of winter <laughs> Um, you but, had to watch
0: men's football. Oh uh, yeah! Like, ugh, w- what an absolute liberty that when was. When you
1: find yourself on Boxing Day <laughs> watching like the eighth Premier League <laughs> match in the rows, you watch Burnley take on Crystal Palace, and you're just like, "What is going the on?"
0: Twenty <laughs> fifth <25th> BIR decision. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so my my counterpoint to getting rid of the winter break would be. there's a few facets to it. Firstly, obviously, we know there's a lot of injury problems with the women's game at the moment. Obviously, ACL Mm -hmm. injuries in particular, and a lot of research going into why it is that women seem to be more susceptible to ACL injuries than men. We know that women are already playing more football than ever before at a higher quality and higher rate than ever before. Um, And I just think in terms of keeping that break in there, that obviously helps alleviate that. I think if you were to fill that break with fixtures, then you would have to look at kind of, certainly in WSL, you'd have to add more teams to the league, otherwise the season would finish in in like February. Mm. Um, I also think, you know, we've we've got, as we kind of just mentioned there, the the men's game is inextricably linked with the Christmas period. It's never going to change. You're always going to have this mad period where they play on kind of, you know, three days before Christmas, then they play on Boxing Day, and then they'll play two days after that, and then they'll normally play on New Year's Day. Yeah. Um, and I think, okay, great if you're a fully dedicated women's football fan and you're gonna watch those games. But I think in terms of trying to grow the women's game, picking and choosing when you kind of have those you know, the games to broadcast. I think there'd be a very real chance of games getting basically lost in the shuffle during that during that Christmas period Mm -hmm. Um, and also finally I I feel like it's because maybe because the the men's game is so famously linked in, in England to Christmas and the Christmas period I feel like having a Christmas break it's to me as a fan of men's football coming into women's football I feel like it's a bit of a novelty to have the break, and for me, again, I, I fully appreciate I'm coming from a position where I I have a, uh, you know, I support Bolton Wanderers as a full-time occupation almost, but having the ability to just take a step back and then kind of re-engage with the women's game after a bit of a break and let a bit of anticipation build up and and almost treat it as a kind of a separate phase of the season where you know you, you've had that you've had the first half where you, you've sort of got a feel for things and then you have a bit of a break and have that that kind of anticipation build-up and then it's like right we're, we're into it and obviously we've got a couple of, of mm-hmm. big games this uh this weekend already which you know are effectively going to to really give us an idea for for example you know where where are Chelsea now that, now that Kerr's injured. Yeah. Can manu close the gap on the on the top teams, all that stuff. And mm. I I personally am quite glad for the break.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think as well, topically, I think an interview's come out with Leah Williamson today in the Telegraph and I haven't read it yet, but I did see a, a pull out quote from it that she said that you can sell more tickets, um, you can broadcast more matches, but you're not gonna have any players to play. Yeah. Because the schedule is ridiculous for this year, and I think um, earlier this week as well, Ada Hegerberg
1: mm-hmm. yes. um,
0: came out and said that she saw the twenty twenty four fixture list and was like, "That's absolutely ridiculous."
1: Yeah.
0: So I think it is a worry that they are going to start pushing because, like, as we've touched on, I mean, the men's game is suffering from fixture congestion anyway. But you know, it's an undeniable scientific fact that women are less physically strong than men. Mm. So if we're pushing the men too far. It's going to happen to the women as well. Yeah. And it is a concern, uh, but unfortunately...
1: I, just, I think the danger is that the women's game is growing so quickly and so organically that, you know, whoever's in charge will just look at it and think the more, the more we can do, the sooner we can do it, the better.
0: Absolutely. Whereas
1: yeah. it might be worth a bit of short-term, like, oh, if we, played, if we played, like, five fixtures during that period, we could have earned X amount of money... That short-term pain is, in my opinion, worth the long-term gain of, mm. like, say, actually having some players to left to play.
0: Yeah, good, good lukewarm take, Matt. Yeah, and I think there's some points there again. I think that we can mention, like, when we come to talk about the business of football and the money of it and the behind the scenes, in a later episode. Uh, I think we can come back to that. But yeah, I think so. the next regular segment is just going to be a player that you want to shout about. Um, I did originally say it was going to be an underappreciated player, but I think that's difficult to define. Um, Just let the dog next door have a little bark, (laughs) and I'll continue. Anything else to add? No? Um, But I'll let you kick off on this one, Matt. Which player did you want to give a shout out to this week, and Why?
1: So, um, obviously, we've both nailed our colours to the Leicester map uh, mast so far. So I didn't want to come
0: across as too biased. So my pick is Leicester player, <laughs> Sophie Howard. <laughs> I knew it was going to be... I should have <laughs> asked to guess because I knew it was going to be so- Sophie Howard. I thought it was yeah. going to be so- Sophie Howard or Yotta Antala.
1: I mean, I could have picked half the best team because I think they're all great. Uh, I don't believe any of them got onto the Guardians uh, top one hundred list. No, really?
0: I, no. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, S- Scotland players generally were were pretty underrepresented.
1: Yeah, I think like, like Caroline Weir did pretty well, didn't she? But then yeah. again, she, but Kim she, Little she,
0: should have been on there. Yeah. Or was, yeah. She, was she on there?
1: No, I don't think she was. No. Um, Kim Little should have been on there. Erin Cuthbert was on there, wasn't she? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. But I was. mean, presumably again if we're navigating the Guardians Byzantine rules of this list. Presumably Caroline Weir won't be on it next year because having done her ACL. Anyway, Who Sophie knows? Howard. Sophie Howard. Sophie Howard. So um yeah, I just I, I think every time I've seen her I've been really impressed. Obviously Leicester's defensive record thus far in the season isn't fantastic. Um but, you know, a major caveat in there is the the match you previously mentioned, the 6 2 shellacking at the hands of Arsenal, where they basically it was just after Mead had come back and Jonas Eiderwald thought, you know, it's better than playing three forwards, <laughs> playing six forwards. And he just <laughs> that is
0: literally his approach to life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and you know, Leicester, I think, well, they conceded six, and that was actually an underperformance on Arsenal's XG, which just tells you how rampant Arsenal were. But if you set that game aside, Leicester's defensive record suddenly looks a lot better. Um, and I think a big reason for that is Sophie Howard. So Leicester generally play in a 3 4 3, which it's, it's an interesting one because often in a three-four-three 4 3, you have three, effectively three centre backs. You have a left sided one and a right sided one, but generally they operate as all centre backs. Whereas Leicester seem to operate with a sort of hybrid approach where the left and right sided centre backs also kind of play as full backs and, and play quite yeah. advanced. The knock-on effect of that being that Sophie Howard is often found basically kind of stranded as a sort of one-woman wall mm. uh, against what is often kind of quite a quick break if, if, mm. if one of the other centre-backs gets caught up the field.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, we commit the full-back forward as well, don't we? So yeah. Sophie Howard is uh, is often sprinting back.
1: She's having to do a lot of heavy lifting, in yeah. my opinion. So I, I don't think her her numbers necessarily reflects how well she's been for, been performing. And another example of that happening was again I I, met, I said I was going to mention the Nations League, but that the match where England went up to Hamden Park and basically mm-hmm. tried to score as many goals as humanly possible, while the Dutch did the same. Um, and obviously the first half was an absolute massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's no. Surprise to me that in the second half, when Scotland brought Sophie Howard on, they suddenly looked far more composed. They actually looked like the better team for the the bulk of mm. that second half. They looked, they just looked unrecognisable, and obviously there was a, a change in tactics and uh, shape that came that accompanied her coming onto the pitch. But you know, I thought she she looked excellent there. She looks excellent every time I see her. I mm-hmm. think um, I think she's very undervalued, very underrated, and I think. If Leicester are to tighten up and stop losing these leads, as, as they kind of developed a habit to do in the first half of the season, she will be a big part of that.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think another thing which impressed me—we went to the FA Cup game on Sunday against Derby County, and obviously Derby were not really threatening defensively, mm. attacking, you know, from an attacking perspective. But I think, you know, again, she looked really solid, and I think for me. Being really close to the pitch, and you could hear it, like telling you know telling people what to do. Yeah, being really commanding, being you know a leader. Absolutely. And no offense to Sam Turney, because I think she's great, but I think when Eileen Whelan's not on the pitch, I think Sophie should be captain.
1: Yeah, she. You know, I think you can tell that a lot of the other players look to her for advice. On she's a
0: she's a Millie Bright sort of yeah. figure, isn't she? Yeah. Like not to compare her to Millie Bright, but I think you can similar stature similar sort of vibe um i feel like she's a really bright sort of presence on the on the on the pitch i agree but she's she's better than me okay that is a bold claim (laughs) um don't tell (laughs) me she (laughs) will knock you out um yeah no good show um i could have predicted that i know you love sophie howard next week for leicester player of the week (laughs) is it going to be Yutta? Maybe. I wouldn't wouldn't argue with that. Um, Great. I'm afraid I haven't gone with a Leicester player. I'm afraid I have to mention the dreaded C word, which is Chelsea. Oh, okay. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm not just saying this because I put her in my fantasy team for the last game of the season and Emma Hayes didn't fucking play her. Um it's Johanna writing Canorid. Oh. Um yes. and apologies to any Swedish people that are listening. I mean the fact that I think any Swedish people are gonna be listening to our first episode, but if you if we've taken off
1: We're big
0: in Sweden. If we've taken off globally and you're mm. listening to the first episode and I've pronounced that wrong, I'm sorry. Um I just feel like obviously LJ gets a lot of attention. Yes. Sam Kerr quite rightly gets a lot of attention, but she won't be now, unfortunately. Um Erin Cuthbert gets a lot of love as well, which yeah. I agree with. But I don't he- hear many people outside of like comms during a match mentioning just how good Wright Rostinen Canada is. No, and I think she's just she's quick. She's a you know a your sort of stereotypical quick winger. She's just really alert and technically brilliant. She seems to just always be in the right place at the right time as well, like picking up loose balls in the box. Yeah. Or just getting herself into the right position on the wing, or cutting in, and she can take players on. She's she's good in the air as well. Look, like she assisted like she got an assist with me officials' goal yeah. at the weekend because she headed the ball into her. Yeah. Um. And I just think it, to paraphrase March Simpson, I just think she's neat. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I just want to see her like I say selfishly from a fantasy team perspective. I just want to see her getting. She should be getting more game time now, I think. Um, but she's only played seven games this season Yeah. out of the ten. And she has played every game in the Champions League. So there's probably a bit of squad rotation going on there. And to be honest, like, we always talk about how difficult it is to find out about injuries in the in the women's game generally. And yeah. with Emma Hayes spinning her web of mystery <laughs> and, <laughs> around injuries, like, who knows if she, she was injured or what. Yeah. But, like, she got two assists at the weekend. Yeah. She, from what I could tell, she played the full, um, the full game as well. About Ninety plus, 90 extra, plus time. extra time, which yeah. as a winger, when she's bombing up and down that wing, yeah. is impressive. Um, and she's already surpassed her stats from last season. She's got five assists and two goals across the WSL and the Champions League, and she only got four and one, four assists, one goal last last season. in yeah. in those two, she doesn't seem to she didn't seem to do much for Sweden in the World Cup, but I don't think Sweden had a particularly vintage world cup did there i mean obviously that's your name was (laughs) bitch or lena (laughs) hurtig um but yeah i just think yeah she she's very versatile i think i don't think she's just a fast winger yeah i think she she can whip in crosses she can cut in she can she can you know score a good goal yeah emma hayes please just give her some love and yeah i just think I just wanted to mention as well. Like I think for me, having watched a little bit a bit of the FA Cup game at the weekend, I think the Lauren James at number nine experiment failed miserably. And I think for me, for Chelsea, I think at the moment their best for like attacking formation is going to be Guru Wrighton on the left, my sweet Swedish angel (laughs) on the right, me official in the middle, and then Lauren James just floating around behind. Doing yeah. doing what she does, picking up balls at the edge of the box, and not,
1: not being tempted to go for the Millie Bright up front. I, mean, I, know <laughs> she, I know she's allegedly injured at the moment, but that would yeah. be not. I mean, that would be classic Emma Hayes. Not just, only yeah. would, if Bright was turned out yeah. not to be injured, but she was an auxiliary forward mm. to replace Kerr.
0: Yeah, because like sometimes like, like I don't want to talk about Chelsea too much, but sometimes she plays like LJ as a winger as well, and I don't think. LJ, there's a lot of teams in the WSL, particularly in the top, the, the big four, and I'm going to say big four, mm. um, <laughs> that are threatening on the wing. And I think you've got to have wingers that are going to track back and, and help yeah. out with defence. And Lauren James is not that person. No. so And I think that was earlier this season before Brighton was fit again. So I think we should see less of LJ on the wing now. Yeah. Um,
1: and it's, it's whether Emma Hayes does re- kind of Try her again as a false nine or just a nine. But, yeah. Interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I think there's been... I think there's been occasions, I could be wrong, but I think there's been occasions where she's playing on the right where Joanna Wright and Henry would play, which, please don't do that. Just play her. Please (laughs) don't I need the points. I need to secure my lead. Um, But, yeah, that is... I'll try not to mention another Chelsea player for that for yeah. that uh, for that segment. Well, but I goes just up against Sophie Howard. That's <laughs> all I'll say. She just she just sprung to mind straight away when I thought about this. So yeah, um, we're at the final segment mm. of a uh, regular segment of, of the podcast. So I've called this gasp. So this is going to be goal assist save or pass of the week. Um. I thought I'd put pass in there because sometimes there's like a pass in midfield that leads to a goal, not directly, but like...
1: Assist, assist, assist.
0: Yeah. Plus so... as well, you
1: don't want a segment
0: called gas. No. Yeah. I, I didn't need to put save in there, but I, I did because I'm gearing up to do at least This is going to be the Mary
1: Earp's <laughs> appreciation segment.
0: Um... At some point, yeah. Not, not this week because she didn't really have to do much in the FA Cup against Newcastle. Yeah so I couldn't Stew Horner in there I my, did earlier though my um, so, but, my gasp has come from that same match though has it? it has oh is um, it? Is it Tooney? it's Tooney it's I was going to say Tooney but it's just Tooney doing Tooney things just come a on. lovely goal <laughs>
1: um, yeah nice goal um, I did. I wrote down obviously she's, she's had her struggles with form and you can never say that she doesn't put 110% in um, on the pitch um, but I do think She's one of those players where when, when it's not dropping for her, rather than kind of trying to just relax, she seems to be one of those players who just thinks if, if I've made a mistake or a pass hasn't come off, she goes twice as hard. And sometimes it feels like she can kind of compound when things aren't going her way. Um, but obviously she she's looking in really, really good form now. It's great to see she's looking really relaxed, which I think is good, and this goal. Personified that for me just a really you know a a, a classy touch a classy finish mm. and made all the better by the fact she was wearing a protective eye mask and then did a superhero
0: celebration that was exceptional yeah. and I, I love Toonie I know I apologise for saying that she shouldn't have been in the world 11 I don't think she should have been but I, I do love her and I, I agree she's also in my fantasy team for that very reason um, because she's she's smashing it at the moment and I was tempted to say that but I'm glad I didn't because it got you know Got that lovely description from you. Um, I, again, I'm sorry to speak about Chelsea, but <laughs> I said me official. Mm. Just because it it, to, it was technically a nice goal. It was a lovely turn and yeah. a great strike. But also, I think, what it meant as well. Cur esque what, what it meant was important, because yeah. it was like, obviously, Emma Hayes, in her infinite wisdom, didn't start her. And... You know, Chelsea went 1-0 down, struggled to score for a long time, even with the great JRK bombing down the wing and banging in crosses. Um, there was just no one in the box, because obviously Lauren James was not in the box, because I don't think she's physically capable of being in the box. Mm. She just seems to want to hover at the edge and just fire in random shots. So I think, yeah, the fact... It does fa- work for us to be fair. Most of the time. S- sometimes, <laughs> but a lot of the time it doesn't. But, yeah, no, so I just thought me official, like, yeah, just to come out, make a statement, just be like, look, trust me, I can score. Um, And then also because it was obviously a really important goal as well because it took them into extra time and helped them go on and win the game. Yeah. Um, But also, yeah, no, I think. And
1: she does a sort of shark slash fish celebration kind of thing.
0: Well done to her for that. Great. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, also I just wanted to shout out to Deanne Rose as well. Um, Oh, yeah her first goal for Leicester, and a similarly excellent turn in the box and smashed it up into the roof of the goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, special mention to Deanne Rose.
1: Yeah. Oh, I should give a shout-out. I know this is not, it's meant to be only one player or one, one thing that happened, but um, the Derby goalkeeper, Anna Draper. Oh, yeah, we've got to mention her. Was, I don't know how tall she is. Should we was. Google it? But she generally looked smaller than the majority of uh, the Leicester players. And you know, I mean, particularly, as Leicester were playing Lena Peterman up front, who is fairly tall. So that was a, a real mismatch. But yeah, she had an exceptional game. You could choose one of many saves she made. Um, and yeah, the she didn't deserve to be on a, on the side that lost 4 0, mm. basically.
0: She's also only 19. There you go. Allegedly, according to Google, she's. Swam- uh 5 foot 6 but uh, that feels oh, that feels generous that feels generous yeah she was a uh, yeah she was brilliant and i think to to get player of the match as well when you lost 4-0 yeah so it tells more. you like how good she was and uh, yeah i was really impressed with her like fair play and th- i think there was a particular if it was a cross i think it was a cross or a corner she came up for yes and she was like towering above even she, like she's got a jump on her
1: absolutely she's got jump on her yeah
0: fair play wsl sides Look out. Yeah, I mean, well, you think about
1: Kiara Keating, she's not tall. Mm. If you've got the if you've got the skills, height is not a disqualifier, so mm. yeah. We're watching would, you, Anna Draper, surprised. but
0: not in a weird way. Yeah. What a great creepy way to bring the, the first episode to an end. Um I think that's gone well. Should yeah, we good. should we do <laughs> should we do it again? Yes. Should we do another one? Not yes. now, obviously, because we've that's
1: got a women's weekly podcast not now
0: because we've got to go and watch the traitors but yeah um oh we didn't say who we were going to have a sponsor this week who are be sponsored by uh anna draper's
1: um saves i don't
0: know <laughs> <laughs> i was hoping you were going to say something amusing and you just went anna draper's saves i was going to say
1: anna draper's tools because there is a brand of tools called draper's tools but i thought that was yeah forgery.
0: let's be sponsored by emma haze's brain yeah lest we ever understand it yeah let's go for that (laughs) okay see you next time maybe thanks thanks bye thanks a lot thanks a lot